Welcome to the HelloFlow podcast, a space where we bridge together professional success and career alignment with personal well-being. I'm your host, Casey Cunliffe. Join me in conversations around driving your career while also being mindful of your overall well-being at a time when many people are awakening to their soul's purpose and navigating that messy but magical middle i offer this space for personal and professional growth and alignment and a place to ground and support you in your daily grind after tuning into this podcast i hope you receive the empowering counsel and actionable tools to usher in more ease and flow in your life and equip you as you discover, develop, and evolve your dharma. Now on to the episode. Welcome back to the HelloFlow pod. I'm your host, Casey Kunless. In this week's podcast, I'm continuing from last week for part two of the two-part series around identifying your natural gifts and strengths. If you haven't already, I suggest listening to the short 15-minute episode published right before this one. In this two-part series, I talk about the integrated approach of identifying and discovering your gifts and strengths, some you may be aware of and others you've yet to explore. In the first episode, I talk through a self-reflection exercise as well as a few personality assessments. I also review my own results from taking some of the personality tests to serve as an example of how you can distill and find common themes across all of these findings and results. This week, I'll review the remaining two approaches, metaphysical systems, which we'll spend the vast majority of time on, and gifts outside of skills and traits. So let's get started. I'm going to start off with metaphysical systems. We got a little bit of a preview during one of the interviews published a few weeks back with Dana and Shayna of Day Luna, where they gave us a very high level overview of the fascinating and complex system called human design. Now, I realize that this topic may be completely new to some of you tuning in, but if you are open to additional tools and systems that are a bit out of the mainstream or traditional ways of discovering your gifts and strengths, and you are open to broadening your perspective of who you are at your core and what you're here to offer the world, this episode is definitely for you. So let's first discuss what I mean by metaphysical systems. As you may recall from last episode, I give my perspective on personality tests and how those systems are self-reported. I view them as guided self-reflection assessments where you answer a series of questions based on how you view yourself in that moment of time. And based on your own self-assessment, the system will spit out your results, oftentimes at least one personality profile, or in the case of the Sparkotype assessment, three different Sparkotypes. We can also look at personality tests as archetypal systems. Everyone loves an archetypal system, but can the results change depending on how you view yourself, especially over time? Maybe, it's a possibility. So what can we look at that maybe balances and complements personality archetypal assessments? This is where we can talk about metaphysical systems. Instead of relying on self-reported answers, metaphysical systems typically rely on a fixed input, 
likely your birth information, and not just your birth date, but your birth location and the exact time you were born, not rounded up or down, but down to the minute. In some instances, say numerology, your birth name is also used in the running of the numbers and analysis. Metaphysical systems are often developed from cultures around the world, centuries-old frameworks, and withstand the test of time. Arguably, the most widespread and popular system is Western astrology. When someone says they are a Leo or a Pisces, they are often referring to the most basic variable in the Western astrology system called their sun sign. I'm far from an expert in Western astrology, although I have learned very specific aspects of the system and the natal chart as it relates to additional perspectives on dharma and career, as well as astrocartography or astrology of location. So Western astrology is going to be the first metaphysical system I'm going to focus on for today. And when I think of Western astrology, I think of it as telling you the what behind who you were born into the world as, who you are meant to evolve into, and what you are meant to learn and overcome in this lifetime as part of your karma. So right off the bat, you can already tell that a system like this goes a lot deeper than personality assessments. We're talking karma and destiny here, in addition to characteristics and traits. So most people start off with their sun, moon, and rising signs in Western astrology. I'm actually going to cut straight into your north node and midheaven signs and use my natal chart as an example. So the first thing you can do is pull up your free natal chart on astro.com. The two areas that we'll be taking a look at today are our north node and midheaven. Think of your north node as what you are here to evolve, learn lessons around, and grow into in this lifetime. It is normal to feel uncomfortable in your north node because it doesn't come natural for you. For the North Node, you have a corresponding South Node, and what the South Node tells you is the kind of energy you brought into the world with from previous lifetimes. It's the energy that you are very comfortable in and you've already mastered because we've already leaned into this aspect of ourselves in previous lifetimes, and that in this lifetime, we perhaps are leaning too much into it that we fall into the lower expressions. Now moving on to your midheaven. Your midheaven gets a bit more specific and focuses on how you present yourself and the gift you offer to the outside world. It's who you are, how others see you, and it's what's aligned for you career-wise through your gifts, interests, and passions. It's what you need to get out of your career to feel fulfilled. And opposite of the midheaven is the imamkuli or the IC. The IC is more of who you are at your roots and within your home. It's the private part of you. Those who are very close to you know the IC part of you. As you can see, even just knowing these four aspects of your natal chart can be very life-changing. And for your north node specifically, you'll start to feel the tug of it around your Saturn return, which for most people is around ages 28 to 30-ish that feeling starts to grow even stronger as you approach your Uranus opposition, which for most people will be around the ages of 38 to 45. 
And the intensity of that feeling of your north node increases gradually and has the greatest intensity in the few years leading up to the very specific date of your north node and a few years after. To some people, this is known as the midlife. So let's take a look at both of these aspects of your natal chart in Western astrology. When you pull up your natal chart on astro.com, you'll see a box with the planets on the left-hand side. Go down that list and you'll see the term true node and a symbol that looks like an upside down horseshoe with a curved part at the top. Next to it, you'll see a couple of numbers and an astrological sign. What we want to do for today is focus on the sign. For example, my north node is in Leo, which automatically makes my south node in Aquarius. At a really high level, what this means is that I came into this life having spent many lifetimes emotionally detached and overly reliant on mental or intellectual energies. My focus has always been more on the collective, how to advance humanity and social consciousness. When I'm too in my head intellectually and focusing too much on the collective, I'm falling too far into my south node. What I'm really here to grow into and evolve is shining as an individual, turning that focus that is very comfortable being outwardly concerned with the collective, with the organization, with the community, and turning it inward to be seen for what I do and who I am. So that doesn't mean to no longer care about and focus on the collective. It means to bring along the high expression of the South Node traits and step into the spotlight as my north node Leo. It is safe for me to be behind the scenes and to not stand out. In this lifetime, I'm here to evolve into thinking with my heart and not just with my head. Career-wise, I am here to learn and grow into standing in the spotlight on not getting lost in the crowd. I'm here to activate and express my creativity and become a powerful change maker while bringing the high expression of my south node, which is to do all of this for the good of humanity. You can then go further and see where your north node sign is located in your natal chart. The natal chart is like a wheel with a bunch of spokes and is broken up into 12 different slices as I call them. Those slices are the 12 houses. For mine, my Leo North Node is located in the third house, which represents communication, writing, and learning because it's ruled by Mercury. Not a full picture by any means, but in short, what I've teased out so far is stepping in the spotlight, activating my creativity, and in the house of media, communications, and learning. Again, there's a lot more to your nodes. I'm just giving you the tip of the iceberg, a little taste of what you can get out of these aspects. And you can learn a lot just by knowing the directional themes of these nodes. Now for my midheaven. What's interesting is that there's a little bit of a juxtaposition here. So it's important to really understand the difference between north and south node and midheaven and imamkuli or IC. My midheaven is in Aquarius, which makes my IC in Leo, so the signs are reversed. But remember that your midheaven is about how you present yourself out in the world, and it represents your gifts and legacy related to your career, interest, and public persona in general. 
It is what others can rely on you for and what you offer to the world. An Aquarius midheaven is intelligent, innovative, progressive, and assertive. A Leo IC is more creative, expressive, fun, interesting, unique, and big-hearted. As an Aquarius midheaven, I'm here to do things a little differently with my career, forge my own path, perhaps go against the grain, as what I'm here to do isn't really a career path that really exists now. I create it. That's where the innovation and progressiveness comes in. An Aquarius midheaven is meant to be a free thinker that's unconventional and a little bit rebellious, but also a dreamer that is clever and hardworking. It's important I'm in a career that is mentally stimulating, rewarding, innovative, and allows me to think outside of the box because I'm here to shake things up. Themes for Aquarius midheaven range from future-focused inventions, science, media, and technology, and humanitarianism, sustainability, and freedom. Again, I can go on and on with this area of your natal chart. This just gives you a taste of some directional information that you can start piecing together with other pieces of information you've already started to gather around your gifts and strengths. Now let's move on to human design, where I'll expand a bit from a few episodes ago where Dana and Shane of De Luna briefly touched the surface about each of the 4 plus 1 variant energy types. And if you haven't already listened to that episode, I would highly recommend it as Dana and Shana walk us through what human design is and what makes up this highly complex and extremely fascinating system that looks at how our energy works and operates on the physical plane. Not just what you normally think energy is like energy levels, it absolutely covers that, but also your aura and literally your energetic vibes that you give off and receive from others. The system also covers an extensive amount of very specific and detailed personality traits and characteristics, including your many energetic gifts, the latter of which I'll briefly introduce here. There are other more advanced parts of the chart, including your life path and purpose and how we support our wellness through how our unique way of digesting food and life, as well as our optimal environment for us to fully live our design, the way we see and observe the world, and what we are here to offer and put out into the world in our own unique way. As you can see, so many specific facets to this system where there are so many layers and flavors to explore within our own design. But going back to gifts, there are so many aspects of the human design chart that we can highlight as it relates to interpreting the different gifts you have. For this episode, I'm going to focus on your channels, gates, and some planetary activations. These areas of your chart are where most people would identify as your gifts when first getting to know your chart. So the first thing, if you haven't done so already, you can run your human design chart for free. There are many sites, including my website, where you can run your chart for free using your birth information, date, exact time, and location. After running your chart, you'll see your channels listed, as well as specific numbers highlighted within the nine centers, which are called gates. When two gates are highlighted and they connect, that forms a channel. 
I've included a link in the show notes on one of the articles in the Human Design Resource Library that visually shows you the different chart elements, what they mean at a high level, including gates and channels. So in a human design chart, there are a total of 36 channels and 64 gates. My human design chart has two channels and 15 gates activated. Each of these can take a long time just to review and interpret, so I'm just going to pick a couple to give a preview. One of my channels is the 59.6 channel of mating. This is huge for my design because it not only represents one of my unique gifts, but it is also the guiding light on tapping into my inner authority, how I make aligned decisions. So this energy is about creation and connection with others. When looking at the traits specifically, I bring these two gates, 59 and 6, together, where 59 is a bit like an aura breaker because it helps to break down walls with others. It's a very open energy of receiving from others and creating and holding that space where there can be authentic connection and creation. Gate 59 connects with my gate 6, which is the energy of sparking that intimacy and closeness with someone. So together, you have this provoking energy of intimacy in gate 6 and the openness and coziness to positively receive and hold space for it in gate 59. So what does this all mean? For channel 59.6, it's about creating close bonds and the feeling of closeness and intimacy that others are able and wanting to open up and as a result, want to create with you. Traditionally, that creation is human life, but it is also creating and connecting to form a positive and mutual bond. That bond and closeness creates ideas, projects, businesses, and plans. So it's all about the energetic gift of creating and connecting with others in a safe, authentic, and trusting way. And you need both gates to make this specific energy happen. Otherwise, you have one or the other, and that's the difference between gates and channels. From a career perspective, I see this gift being leveraged when it comes to creating authentic relationships, and that can be in the form of business partnerships, networking and community, as well as working with others in a team, forming a team, and holding that energy to create something beautiful and productive together. So now let's take a look at one of my 15 activated gates. I'm going to actually combine this with what I mean by planetary activations. Every gate is activated by a planet. Now, it can get a little more technical where everybody has every gate activated at some point throughout the year depending on planetary positions. So, for example, in one day, you can have gates that aren't automatically activated in you at birth be activated in you for maybe a few hours in that day, a few times a year, depending on the position of that specific planet. That's way too much for this episode in this podcast, but the point is that we all have these gifts and these energies in certain capacities. Your activated gates are the ones that you have innately that you carry with you throughout your life because they were activated during the time of your development in utero and birth. There are a total of 11 planets plus your north and south node. 
So yes, we talked about your nodes through Western astrology, but here it's also present in human design where you can combine the two and say, overall, this is my life direction in terms of my growth and involvement and destiny through Western astrology and through human design. Here is the how. How can I get there with these specific energetic gifts? But for now, I'm going to talk about which planetary activations you may want to look at if you are focusing on career. And the ones I suggest to take a look at, other than your North Node, are your Sun, Mars, Jupiter, and Uranus gates. The traditional planets to take a look at if you're focusing on your career are your Sun, what you're here to do, what others look to you for, and Jupiter, your abundance and expansion. But I also really like to look at someone's Uranus gates, which are the qualities that make you different, that make you stand out. What do you bring to the table that is unique to you? So for my chart, I have gate 14, the gate of power skills activated by the planet Uranus. And the gift of gate 14 is that I have the ability to create and sustain the energy to provide and control the resources needed to essentially make something happen. What, when, and how these resources are used to empower others, projects, things, and spaces. This gift naturally brings out the best in people, places, projects, environments, anything I'm working on or contributing to. In doing so, it accumulates abundance. The gift of creating and spreading positivity, success, and empowerment. I'm here to not only envision, lead, help, guide, plan, strategize, analyze, organize, whatever the expression is, it's that expression and naturally having the energetic gift to level up spaces, people, projects to the best they can be through having the energy to sustain long hours of creative work and accumulating and controlling what resources are needed to achieve the desired direction. So a huge and important reminder that I briefly shared earlier in the episode is that these gifts are really the high expressions of your characteristics or traits. When they are balanced and aligned, they are gifts. However, there are different expressions, including low expressions. In more modern terms, your greatest strength can turn into your greatest weakness. It's important to understand and see the signs of when you may be falling into the lower expressions or shadows of your gifts so that you can shift into the more empowering, higher expressions, which make them gifts. These exercises and frameworks that help you identify your gifts and strengths are meant to be empowering and eye-opening as you discover what you are here to offer to the world and how you can leverage your natural gifts in service to others. With service and dharma being inextricably connected, identifying and offering your gifts to the world is part of your dharmic path and soul's purpose. What this also means is that after going through all of these exercises and systems, if you have a strong interest and passion in something and you don't have a natural gift to execute it, it doesn't mean it's not meant for you to pursue. Commit to it and have the discipline to learn it 
educate yourself, take classes, train in it, develop it into a learned skill that you can apply. Finally, think of gifts outside of just skills and talents. We can all offer other types of gifts that are not the typical skills and traits that we've been talking about. The gift of your energy, the gift of your time and undivided attention, the gift of holding a safe space, the gift of receiving, the gift of being healthy, the gift of openness and belonging, the gift of forgiveness and understanding, the gift of laughter and humor, the gift of empathy and compassion, the gift of gratitude, and the gift of love and happiness. These are all gifts that we are all capable of offering to others across many settings. Oftentimes, these are the greatest gifts you can give to others and the world. So I'm going to round this episode up by looking across the different personality assessments I went through in the previous episode and the metaphysical systems we just went through and pull together more common threads and what resonates with me. This doesn't include the self-reflection or community feedback, but it gives us enough to work with. So a couple additional things stood out to me in my interpretation. I'm seeing the additional common thread around connections and connecting with others, not only having them, but creating and establishing strong bonds and personal ties. I'm also seeing the ability and gift of helping people, things, projects, entities, improve, evolve, up-level, thrive, whatever the action is to make something the best it can be. And not just learning and doing, but embodying, being, living it, and to do so through an objective lens and in a fair, thorough, accurate, and process-oriented way. And to do these to advance humanity. I can totally see this as it relates to not only working with individuals from a personal coaching and consulting perspective, but also how I've applied these traits in organizations with relationships and initiatives. For example, not just solving a problem, how can we make this thing better, but identifying white space opportunities so that a change optimizes the vision, the strategies, the deliverable, the outcome, the way a project runs and operates. For example, Dharma coaching is not just helping someone process what's next or making an aligned professional pivot. It's setting the person up for success holistically so there is healthy and positive, lasting, sustainable change in their most highest and empowered self. Another common thread that I see is between my anti-sparkotype of performer and my north node in Leo. There is this discomfort around being the star, being seen, stepping on stage and letting the spotlight shine on me. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't come natural to me. It drains me and expends the greatest amount of energy and time. But it's also my north node. I meant to evolve and grow into it in the latter part of life. An opportunity area eventually can and will become a strength and gift. I know this was a lot to take in over this two-part series. Check what resonates with you. 
how you currently use them, or maybe those gifts you were unaware of that you can start exploring and integrating. This is nowhere near an exhaustive or complete list to uncovering your gifts and strengths, but rather a great launching off point. I hope this was helpful to you. I would love to hear what your natural gifts are after doing some of these exercises. You can connect with me and send me a DM on IG at Collective. And if you're interested in exploring your specific energetic gifts through the human design system sprinkled with some astrology, you can schedule a free consult to understand if the framework might be a good fit for you and your career and personal goals. I'll include the link in the show notes. Thank you for spending the last few moments with me. If you found this episode helpful and interesting, please rate and review so that others can find this episode and show as well. Once again, this is Casey, host of the HelloFlow podcast, signing off until next week. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. If there's anything that resonated with you, please share it on Instagram and tag me at CaseyCan underscore and at HelloFlow Collective. I would love to hear from you. As always, if you enjoy listening to what we discuss on the podcast, please share the show with friends who may also resonate. And don't forget to also subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time on the HelloFlow podcast.